Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Get Clean Podcast. I'm your host, Khalil Sherrod, and this is episode 32. In this episode, I will be interviewing Chad Faria, owner of Bristol County Barbell Club. He is an ISSA master trainer and a Westside Barbell Special Strengths Coach. So, of course, this one is going to be really good insight for those that, uh, you know, garage gym life, want to own their own gym, want to know uh, what it takes to become a special strengths coach through Westside Barbell and uh, his insights into training fighters as well as powerlifters. So I hope you enjoy this and let's get clean. Hello? Hey. Hey, what's up, man? Hey, how you doing? Not bad. How about yourself? Not bad, not bad. You at work? Uh, no, sir. I'm at home. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, how you doing today? Not bad. Cold and rainy and snowy up here in New England. Where you at? Uh, I, I live in New Bedford, Massachusetts. It's oh, about an okay. uh, hour south of Boston. Oh, okay. Hey, you always lived there? Yes, sir. Born and raised here. I'm actually... I live one block in front of the high school I went to. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, let's start off telling everybody who you are and uh, what you do. All right, man. Uh, my name's Chad Faria. Uh, like I said, I was born in New Bedford, Massachusetts. Uh, I'm a strength coach, specializing more in uh, strength and combat athletes. Uh, I've been an in-person coach professionally uh, for eight years. And what I mean by professionally is I've been paid to do it and employed to do it. Um, I also do my own online training and have a private barbell club, which is, uh, fancy for, you know, it's my garage and carport in my backyard, (laughs) (laughs) but I only let certain members come in and we all train and we get after it and we go from there. Um, how did you, so you powerlift yourself though as well, don't you? Yes, sir. I compete in powerlifting. How did you uh, get into that? Well, uh, Kind of like you, my actual background comes from basketball, but I'm just oh, really? short okay. and, yeah, I'm <laughs> short and unathletic. And uh, so I tried playing ball a lot growing up, uh, football, basketball. I even played soccer in, uh, in my earlier years. And once you get out of high school and I went to college and, you know, I couldn't uh, afford to go full time. I had to had to work to help my family and stuff like that. Uh, you know, you still want to compete. And I was always a little bit stronger than my friends. Not saying I was like a crazy standout, but, you know, I always thought powerlifters are badass, man. You know, people are Mm -hmm. putting houses on their backs and squatting and shit. So I wanted to be a part of that. So I pretty much just looked into a meet, uh, signed up for it. It was in PBD Mass. I went in my brother's room, who at the time was playing high school football. I said, hey, we're doing a powerlifter meet. And he was like, all right, cool. And three months later, we were in it and hooked. Um, how did you stumble on the conjugate system and Westside and everything? Yeah, man, I, I'm probably Westside's biggest fangirl. Uh, <laughs> so when I started powerlifting about six years ago, um, you know, I did what everybody did at the time. You know, I just went on Google and put in like powerlifting routines and I came up <laughs> with some Russian squat program or some bullshit <laughs> and we did it and, you know, we did all right. Uh, stopped working after a while. Then I, you know stumble upon things like uh starting strength mark ripito so i did a lot of linear work and all that good stuff and i was getting a little bit stronger but i was constantly getting hurt um right. whether it had been my back or um, my knee that i used to always mess up when i played basketball or a shoulder whatever it may be uh, so then you start looking for answers and i mean west side probably has the most publications 
for training out there. So it's hard not to get your hands on a bunch of information and just start implementing it. Right. Um, do you know your numbers before you had switched to using conjugates from uh, using the linear stuff? Absolutely. Uh, so when I, my numbers before I started training, so first what I did is uh, I wanted to understand conjugate more. So I bought pretty much every DVD, every book, every ah, webinar. Nice. And even after doing all that, man, I, you know, I still felt like it was a lot more complicated than, <laughs> you know, it should have been. I was making it more complicated. So I went out and I hired a coach, uh, mm. my man, Nash Kegley, about three, four years ago. And he's been a great coach mentor uh, for the whole, whole thing. Uh, but before we started, I believe my best bench press was uh, 319. Squat was like 540. And deadlift was like 525. Since then, my best bench now is uh, 415. Uh, squat 600. And I just uh, did a sumo deadlift of 600 uh, this week on Monday. And uh, conventional deadlift 585 a couple months back. Um, what were some major changes from what you were doing before? Uh, to now, uh, so linear, you know, linear and block, it was just like, you know, 12s, 8s, 10s, things like that. And, you know, with the conjugate system, man, it's just weak point training. You know, we found out what variations worked. We found out, uh, where my weak points were and we hammered them home. Um, my back's never been stronger. I've had a long history of hurting my back. Um, right. that was probably my major problem with like blocked and linear was I would always end up with too much volume in my deadlift and just blow some shit out. Um, so really just weak point training and making it more, uh, specific towards me. Um, do you have training partners? And if so, how important are they? Yeah. Like, yeah. Man, actually, uh, training partners are, uh, I have great training partners actually. I got a few of them. One we call Big Joe because he's 330 pounds. Uh, Ryan, who's six foot three, six foot four, 260. Uh, another kid, Sam, that just joined on that's showing a lot of promise. Uh, I got training partners a couple years back uh, that I started inviting, you know, to my own personal gym, my backyard that I've outfitted with all my, you know, all my own money, all my own equipment, all my own time. Because I used to wake up at 4 a.m. I still do. Um, but I would train myself at like 5, 530. But I wanted someone more competition, more accountability, so I picked them up. And honestly, that was probably one of the biggest deciding factors on me getting stronger, because the two or three guys that I got that trained with me, they don't allow you to quit, and right. it's highly competitive. So you just have to work hard, man. You know what I mean? And you're not gonna just not show up because you don't feel like it that day. You're gonna make it in there regardless. All right. Um, do you lift raw or in gear? I lift, uh, well, raw with wraps. So, like, raw with wraps. For squats. Uh, that's pretty much it. Belt and knee wraps is the most. Uh, I've thrown on single ply shorts uh, here and there just to protect the hips, but it's uh, mostly raw. Okay. Um, do you ever wear uh, briefs in training? And if so, yeah, when? Uh, yep, I'll throw on briefs, like I just said, like once or twice here and there just for uh, – some like the, the groove well I, I i guess more importantly what brand like because i got the heavy duty groove you know like not the big predator ones but the the ones that's just like the diaper shit yeah no i have just like the inzer uh shit i forget what they call but they literally just like they kind of just slip on they really right, don't right. add anything they're more of a pain in the ass to put on but i do find <laughs> when i do use it every here and there my hips uh my hips thank me for it yeah i feel like it, you when you take it off it doesn't feel like you squatted at all 
Yeah, right. And it's very like, nice. <laughs> for me, it's like the next days I'm not like, you know, stumbling around. My hips aren't aching and shit like that. I can get out of bed. <laughs> um, do you go beltless for any of your lists or, or do you ever rotate that as another variation? Once in a while I did belt. Uh, I actually, I did, a, I think I did three or four blocks of beltless work just to see if I really found any like carryover. And to be honest, I, I didn't really find any carryover. I find more carryover wearing the belt. Right. Once I take the belt off and I go beltless, I'm stronger than before, but not necessarily vice versa. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Um, will you ever do beltless doing like your dynamic work? Yeah. Uh, actually, one of my two of my my other two training partners, they're big into that. They don't like throwing a belt uh, for speed work, especially if the speed's there. And uh, right. they just feel that, well, one, it takes one pain mass out of it, you know, another variable out. And two, right. they just feel good and it, you know, just kind of keep it moving. Now, would that be only for your squats or would you do the same thing for the devils? Uh, well, when you get fatter, uh, like most powerlifters, you actually <laughs> hate wearing a belt for a certain deadlift, especially like deficits. So like deficit deadlifts, I right. really don't wear a belt because uh, it's just <laughs> one more thing on top of my gut to get in the way. Uh, but yeah, we'll keep, uh, you know, we'll keep the belt off as long as we can. If my back's feeling a little weird that day, uh, then I'll just throw it on and it's more of like a safety measure type thing. I feel better. So therefore I can train harder, a little placebo effect. Right. <laughs> what about like, um, for like heavy good mornings or heavy bent over rows, stuff like that? Yeah. So I take, uh, when it comes to good mornings, I have a much different approach than, uh, West side does. I actually, I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like the threes and fives, but that's also because, you know, I have a weak girly back. Uh, but I found mm-hmm. that I like to incorporate uh, good mornings for more of like five five to 12 reps uh, mm-hmm. to actually build muscle. Uh, so I'll right. throw them on there. Uh, and we love heavy style, like power rows. So again, if my back's feeling a little weird, man, and I'm trying to row 315, uh, I'll throw it on again just to make myself feel a little better. Um, how do you wave your squat, good morning, and deadlift for lower body max effort? Do you have a specific percentage of when you do more than others? Is it based off of like, okay, this is my worst lift, so I'm going to have like two or three weeks out of the month I'm doing this one, and the one I'm best at is the last week? Right. So are you asking for me personally or how I would do it for an athlete? Uh, well, I guess both. Both. both All right. Cool. So yeah. for me, with my training partners, uh, programming, because I program for all of us uh, in mm-hmm. the uh, quote-unquote club. Right. Uh, so I have to take multiple variables like into uh, consideration. So we've been trying a bunch of different layouts. Uh, so we just got done running a four-month layout where every Monday was uh, max effort deadlifts. And every Friday was speed squats <clears throat> following into a rep max. So the first week would be a three rep max. Second week would be a two rep max. Third week would be a one rep max. And we all hmm. tested and all of our deadlifts went up and our, we continue to hit squat PRs. Um, so we're going to run a new layout starting this week where it's the exact opposite, where every Monday will be a, a, a squat max. And then Fridays we're going to do uh, deadlift speed work into maxes. Uh, we've done it uh, all types of ways. You know, I've done the classic rotation where it was like, you know, squat, deadlifts, good mornings, start over than I've done where it's just squat. Um, but I found that a lot of us started getting like kind of like weird knee and hip pains. Um, okay. So that's kind of more for my club because we like to see how everybody goes. Like my other two training partners are, are better deadlifters than me. They have stronger backs, better leverages, so they can really handle 
deadlift volume. So I don't mind killing them with uh, some extra deadlifts in the mornings, but I'm a little more up to handling better squat volume because I have, you know, I'm only five, nine and I have short legs and wide hips. So my leverage kind of fucking works towards that. But if I have an athlete, it all comes down to whatever their, you know, particular weakness in sport is like with my, uh, I, I love combat athletes because, honestly, they're just not pussies. Um, mm-hmm. I hope I can swear on this. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, you're good. You're all, right, good. all right, cool, cool. I tell people all the time it's it's a situation where you either listen or you don't. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, so you're good. You can curse. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. Uh, so, like, my combat athletes, they just don't bitch about stuff. So, like, a lot of the times I just kind of assess what they need. And what I found that a lot of boxers, MMA fighters, grapplers, whatever you want to call them, you know, they don't really focus a lot on their their hips um so i'll make them do wide stance box squats i almost never free squat them so a lot of mm-hmm. times it's wide stance box squats and i may rotate it with um some type of sumo work you know off racks or chair deadlifts um then if i just have a powerlifting client who has a really weak back i'll focus more on you know let's get those glutes hamstrings spinal erectors upper back uh, up to par so they may have like a three to one uh, deadlift squat um, or I have some people that can't handle deadlift volume at all where they'll deadlift you know once every six weeks heavy but I'll throw in speed work to keep technique crisp um, like we got one guy who's a 500 pound bencher and about a 700 pound deadlifter with us and he deadlifts seven and but he doesn't like to you know deadlift more than every four to six weeks and he just feels like his body can't handle it because how strong he is um, so he'll do more box squats, easier to recover mm. from, and can still work his deadlift. So it's very, it's very situational. Um, I try to tell right. everybody, I try not to conform to one style of training because it's just limiting yourself and potentially hurting your client. Uh, where right. you know the conjugate system is beautiful because as long as you're following what max effort, dynamic effort, and repetition effort is, you can really put in any variable you want. Um, so as long as you're just not being a complete asshole about it, you know anybody can make progress <laughs> using it. Um, do you do circumax before the meet and how do you perform yours? Yeah. So like with, uh, I guess we use circumax. I hate fucking fancy words. Um, we just call it like super compensation phases and shit. Like try to tell people what the fuck. Shit. That's more, that's more (laughs) complicated. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. But like, you know, you'll hear people say circumax and super compensation phase and man, it's just peaking. It's just getting, it's, you know, frying your CNS that way, you know, you can come back and hopefully on that one particular day, have a decent day. Um, well, but- I'll say, I, w- I would say though, that if you don't say that, then a lot of people's peak is, you know, how a lot of people are where they don't do anything and then they're out of shape of the beast. So I would say it's smart to say circuit back because there's a difference in what people usually think a peak is. No, I, I feel you. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I get what you're saying because the, the traditional like uh, peaking uh, to circle Call being lazy. I get what you mean. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. I feel you. Uh, no, but with uh, with us, yeah, we, we definitely use that. So, and I normally pick, so uh, I guess the West Side original is like, you know, your heaviest squat against bands three weeks out, and then they kind of do like a mm-hmm. deadlift opener two weeks out, and then you do a floor press 10 days out. Uh, you know, don't quote me on it, but that's roughly what it is. Right. Um, with us, I actually don't like going against bands. I like using reverse bands. Um, so, Three weeks out, we'll do a reverse band squat up to a one rep max, um, you know, for a particular overload. Because that's why you're essentially going against bands is to create a certain stimulus and CNS fatigue. So we can still get that, but also build confidence with the reverse band. 
Uh, so three right. weeks out, we reverse band squat heavy. Um, two weeks out, we will pull our deadlift opener either off of a block or off the floor, whichever you're feeling good about. Ten days out, we still do the floor press. Uh, but I like to mix it up on our Saturdays. We practice, you know, pausing benches. Um, and starting about six weeks from the meet, we will make sure we switch to pretty much just straight bars or bow bars to be more specific leading in. Um, and we'll probably pull a reverse band deadlift to around five weeks out because we find that that one, you know, really just smashes your CNS. You're pulling, you know, sometimes 50 to 100 pounds more than what you've ever touched. And it takes a little bit of recovery. You said a reverse, banded, a reverse banded pull? Yeah, yep. So we'll set. So what do you just put in this in the power rack? Yes, sir. Yep, we'll set up in the power okay. rack. Uh, I normally try to make the band seven feet. Uh, above the bar and you know we'll just we'll go from there and just pull and then we keep that record like any other record and every time someone you know we get ready for a meet the goal is to beat that record in our peaking again um so it's all indicators that we're getting stronger without actually having to test from the floor um because we want to save that for Mm. day. what is the band that you're using for the heavy squat three weeks out and the five weeks out for the so that depends on how strong the lifter is uh, and I kind of have like a rough estimate, right. like with my female lifters or really small uh, male lifters, you know, we'll say under 165, uh, we'll use more of like a monster mini band because it provides around, I don't know, you know, give or take five to 10% overload. Which, which one are you, is that for elite FTS? Yeah. I honestly, I use either like the no, red, black. that's the, the red is the, the black, yeah, uh, okay. the red is the mini band. The black is the monster mini slightly thicker. Um, okay. I use the Elite FTS or Westside, to be honest with you. I just order a bunch of bands whenever they're on sale so I can have a stockpile mm-hmm. of them in case one snaps or some shit. So that's basically for someone that, like, squats, like, under four? Well, uh, Is that I'd what you're saying? under three. So under – More under three. Under oh, three okay. squats, we'll put, the, we'll put that band. And then once you squat, we'll say four to – Six six fifty. We use the next band up, which is a light band, which is the one that most of us use. The, like orange, the orange or the purple band. Yep. For Elite FTS. And then uh, if you have, right. if you're very strong and you're above like six fifty to a seven hundred, we'll use an average band. Um, for the deadlifts and the squat. Okay. All right. Cool. I was I was because we did a reverse banded uh, with the squat. And I was like, I feel like the orange is just enough where you get a little bit, but not too much. Cause I couldn't find, I just couldn't find it like in the middle, like, cause we decided like the day sure. before, okay, this is what we're going to do. And then I couldn't find it in the books. So I was yeah, like, I mean, well, I think our orange is just the right amount. Yeah. I mean, for <laughs> us, it's been more trial and error than anything. And it also depends on how you right. set up the band. You know what I mean? If you're going from a 10 right. foot rack, you're going to get a lot more help than if you were doing it from a seven foot rack. Uh, but Right. Uh, yeah, with the orange band, a ten foot rack. Shit. Yeah, there's some. Yeah, ten <laughs> some big ass racks out there. Ten feet. You gotta go jump and dunk the damn band yeah. off. What the Never fuck? Sucks understanding on a box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we have the tallest rack. I think we have maybe like eight something. I want to say because I don't have to jump. I just got a tip. Yeah, Ten feet? Have I ever even seen a ten foot? Yeah, they're rack? pretty. They're pretty monster. Uh, Titan and Robo. <laughs> I think they call it their monster rack, and the thing is, it's massive. Oh, I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, I have seen it. I guess it's for like athletic scenarios, right? Because those guys need such a tall thing to unrack the bars. Oh from, yeah, I, I mean, I, like uh, I know Brian Shaw has it in in his uh, home gym because he's you know six foot fucking nine. So <laughs> like, 
If you squat, you probably don't want to feel like you're yeah. going to butt the pull-up bar. Right, right. And if you need to do pull-ups. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, how do you perform your speed work for, uh, since you got, well, at least I know you lift raw. Do you always do it to a box or do you do it free or what's the like kind of percentage of boxing and free? Uh, this again, I actually, uh, for a lot of raw power lifters, at least for my population, I actually, um, am not a huge fan of speed work because I feel like for a lot of us, the problem is we just don't have enough muscle. Um, I'm not saying that it doesn't That's work. True. Like, obviously, we need rate of force production. Um, but I also don't care if we're, you know, not following the guidelines of meters per second, you know, to the T. If it's a little bit heavier, that's cool as long as no one's grinding it out. But normally we do very big. Right. I just saw that post yeah, you made about uh, that. Just Yeah, just because I feel like a lot of times we just need more muscle, man. I mean, for raw powerlifting, um, no one can deny that if you have more muscle, you have more body armor. Uh, it helps to prevent injuries. And on top of that, you're just going to yeah. have more strength capacity. Um, but you know, if I get someone who's super jacked and doesn't really need any more size, but isn't explosive, then obviously I need to work the speed on them. Um, but when it comes to a ratio, I'm uh, much more on the side. I like box squats, but I'm not in love with box squats <clears throat> just for the specificity purpose. But if we're 20 weeks out from a meet, then we'll do everything to a box for the most part, just because it saves our right. knees. We can recover faster and we can kind of put more into other areas. But the closer and closer we get to a meet, I'd say at least 12 weeks out, we start to take away the box um, just to uh, decrease that learning curve on a lot of athletes, you know, who may have to switch uh, their stance up a little bit. Um, and that way they feel more confident going into the meet. But uh, I like to do sets of five by fives uh, when we're far out from the meet. We're just in our, you know, quote unquote off season. And I follow the 70, mm-hmm. 75, 80 uh, ish in there maybe even creeping up towards that 90 at the top for the accommodating resistance. Uh, and then the closer and closer we get to a meet, I try to keep it uh, more to the original West side standards of like uh, for squats, you know, doubles, benches, triples, and uh, deadlift singles. Okay. And do you, like you said, you're not going to worry too much about the speed on that day, but do you have like, do you um, have a tender unit or anything to be like, okay, I know it's not terribly slow just because like you say, you don't want it to be a grind, but then you could also like measure to say, okay, this person's using this weight, but has gotten more right. Yeah, no, uh, we, I don't have a tendo unit, but I actually had one of my, uh, one of my friends who's a strength and conditioning coach for the Red Sox. Uh, he came by to work out one day and he, uh, he snagged one of the uh, tendo units and he let me strap it up to myself mm. for a couple of the sets. And when I actually performed the speed sets, all my speed sets were, you know, spot on to like almost like within a tenth of a second. Um, so I just honestly use my, right. I guess you could say the coach's eye for 90% of it. If mm. I notice an athlete is like really, you know, slowing down, then we'll normally back off a little bit of straight weight. Um, but if I also notice if an athlete is just kind of, you know, smashing through it, I won't be scared to say, hey, you know, for the last three sets, put on an extra 10 on each side or a 10 and a five uh, just to get a little bit more right. work in. Um, how much bandit work do you do? Do you guys do like the 200 leg curls and the 100 or 200 push downs? Yeah. If so, like how many yeah, days well, a week? Uh, one, of, one of my training partners is big into, uh, he literally tries to do two to 300 bandit push downs a day. Um, mm-hmm. We've strayed a little bit from the banded leg curls just because of all the extra volume we get in other places, uh, but we stick true to more like 
the reverse hyper where almost we live on that thing a couple times a week, things like that. But um, I'm a big fan of chains over bands for raw lifting. And actually, I got that from uh, Coach Christian Anto, who's an elite, F- elite FTS coach uh, and kind of coined the term conjurephasic. Uh, his wife actually was a visitor of Westside for like 10 plus years, big name strength coach as well. Uh, Julia Leduski, I believe is how you say her name. And uh, at their mm-hmm. gym, when I conferenced with him a couple of years ago, I paid to sit down and, you know, uh, phone chat with him. He talked to me about how they pretty much use totally use chains for everything. So we started doing that. I invested a lot of money into chains and you know, all of our lifts really went up and it feels more natural for the raw lifter. But I will use bands for more speed work. So, wait, are you saying chains instead of bands for max effort and 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 still bands more for yeah. speed or are you just saying okay that is how what I, I go go about it uh with the with the bands okay, obviously because okay. they apply that uh over speed eccentrics uh where they just force you down faster than you normally go creating a stronger stretch reflex so obviously for the speed aspect i think they'll always be king um but when it comes right. down to chains i don't know it just it feels better uh, it feels more natural. I guess I could say there's a chaoticness to which you have to stabilize a lot more. So I found that for working on people's form, right. for people who don't know how to stay tight, just adding a couple of chains can kind of make them do that without even realizing it. Um, and also you still get, right. obviously, the accommodating resistance. And they don't stretch out like bands or breaks, so you can have them forever. <laughs> um, how often are you doing... Maxes with accommodating resistance versus straight uh, weight. So the new rotation we're doing is week one is always a straight weight variation. Week two combines either band or chain or just a band or just a chain. Week three is an overload work, which I guess essentially could uh, be used, you know, with, you know, tons of band tension or reverse band or tons of cha- chain tension, or it could just be a, uh, you know, like a six inch block pull. But I would have to say easily it's like a 50-50 straight weight to bands and chains, maybe leaning a little bit more towards accommodating resistance. Right. How many small workouts do you Um, I know one of my guys likes to do at least two or three for his upper body because he feels it's his uh, lagging point. And uh, I do two to three – uh, more like prehab rehab workouts per week, um, you know, just for like problem areas like my knees acting up. I'll make sure I'm doing like my TKEs and calf raises and leg curls. So I'd say on average, all of us maybe two to three extra workouts. But normally uh, we'll do that at home or some other place. We don't really get together for that. We all got families and kids, and uh, you know, my right. uh, my fiance really wants to kill me because it takes two hours to train, and I'm in my own backyard. So you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Uh, um, for the small workouts, like, uh, do you have kind of like a timeline that you have on yourself? And then like, do you do them on like Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday, or will it be like, uh, basically like a two a day? So maybe later on that afternoon, you do the prehab rehab sled or, or, uh, uh you kind of uh, hit band on the head with your first, uh, question. We know I, uh, follow a very typical West side split Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. So if we, if I do, um, Okay. extra mini workouts they are on tuesdays thursdays sundays ish not normally um and i normally will do like a uh, mm. it's either a, i call them either a feeder workout or it's a recovery workout so if on monday we did max effort lower 
and, you know, my low back is still, you know, pumped, then I'll go in the next day, hit reverse hypers, extensions, and belt squat marches. There you go. Or if I'm feeling good but I got a big max effort upper tomorrow, um, I'll do a feeder workout where I kind of just, you know, do banded pushdowns, face pulls, maybe some push-ups. Uh, you know, when it's nice out and it's not snowing and raining, we'll do some upper body sled walks, lower body sled walks. But I always put a limit, and I tell my guys no more than 25 minutes um, and keep the reps super high in terms of, like, 25-plus reps. That way, it's a way of managing so they don't go overboard and use heavy weights and end up being messed up for the next day or, you know, prolong the recovery process. Um, what type of conditioning <laughs> well, do you do? <laughs> speed, speed work. No, but um, <laughs> um, speed work. <laughs> uh, when we get into it, I have a lot of uh, – I have a prowess sled. I have a war wagon. I have a yoke. I have farmers, uh, farmer carry implements. I have a zercher carry implement um i have some stones and on the side of my house the 40-ish yard strip of grass um so at the end of workouts mm. uh we we'll like to go out there and you know kind of trick ourselves into saying that it's not conditioning but it really is because we'll do like heavy yokes or something like that and we'll do that once to twice per week uh but we keep our accessory work very high rep and very short um rest intervals right. so that kind of build into the conditioning with it more of a gpp phase but we also make sure after our meets we try to hit at least four to six weeks of uh pretty much just gpp work um when do you when will you do the conditioning is it within the major workout or would it be in the small workouts it would definitely uh well i mean if i want you know, it to be more of like a team thing, then we'll do it at the end of the major workout. Um, but a lot of times, like I said, if it's already like a time requirement, like we're already on an hour and 45 minutes and no one really has time, then we'll make it, I'll make it by myself on a mini workout where, you know, I'll do something silly like pull a sled and carry an atlas stone. Mm. And uh, the people who live across the street of me in the projects always get a, uh, a kick out of that shit. Um, Got some I'm walking with a big rock. <laughs> How much uh, reverse hybrid do you do, and what is the most important thing that we should do should focus on when they're doing reverse hybrids? Uh, we do reverse hybrids at minimum uh, twice a week, uh, and we don't necessarily have like a volume like standard that we follow where you'll see, like I'll program for athletes. Hey, forty percent of your squat today you can hit for X amount of reps for X amount of sets. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of have a an in house rule because we're fat as fuck that we don't do above 12 reps on the thing because you can't breathe. And then when fat people can't <laughs> breathe, they pass out. And then when fat people pass out, they're hard to move uh, and we're tired. So, but we'll do like 10 to 12 reps and we kind of, we force everybody in the club to whatever's on there is what we're doing. So if you're the weak link and, you know, we got four plates on a side, well, you, know, <laughs> you can only get six, bro, then that's all you're getting. But what we, what I like to make sure we focus on is uh, – Making sure, because I have two reverse hypers. I have the strap model, and then I have the foot roller model. And the strap model is definitely more, like, decompressive. So after a heavy deadlift, we'll use that one more often. And I just try to make sure that it's momentum pulling them under. But they're using their own force to reverse that action. Um, And just make sure they're locking out, I always say, like a deadlift. And not bending at their knees. Because you'll see a lot of people bend at their knees. And it ends up being like a weird quasi leg curl, not yeah. really reverse hyper, and then <laughs> momentum takes over, and they're 
just swinging. So if I'm seeing my reverse hyper literally go a foot back and forth as they're using it, like it's sliding, then they're using momentum and not actual strength. So it's kind of defeating the purpose. Um, that's pretty much like my main takeaways for the reverse hyper. I'm again, I'm one who's had a history since I was like 15 years old playing basketball. I went up for a layup dude clipped me in midair, you know, kind of hip checked me. I landed yeah. wrong, fucking threw my back out. My dad wanted to kill me. Uh, that summer I wore a back brace, uh, you know, playing ball and, uh, that was fun. Uh, so I, I make sure I use that reverse hyper religiously because it honestly, God does make my back feel a hell of a lot better. Do you guys have the, uh, the ATP? Uh, I don't have an ATP just cause, uh, I can't afford it, <laughs> right. but I yeah. have a, uh, I have like a, uh, I guess like a winning style belt swap. Um, so we, Oh, you have do... one. You have the winning yeah. swap. No, well, it's uh, the bells of steel version. Not exactly Matt Winnings, but it's oh, the okay. same, same concept. Um, right, right, right. I wish I could get my hands on ATP just cause it's a little more versatile, but with the normal belt swap, like I have, we still get marches done. Um, we still, you know, get heavy belt squats. Good mornings in. Um, and for my fighters, that thing has proven to be extremely beneficial because I'll have them on their uh, stepping, you know, throwing their like airboxing, throwing their combinations, uh, shooting, uh, you know, takedowns. I'll even have them pummeling each other. So I'll stand one guy on it with X amount of weight around his hips and just force the other guy to pummel him and just roll him around. And the whole time he's fighting back a dude and, you know, has 225 pounds hanging around his waist. Um, so I definitely get a lot of use out of that thing. How often do you will use it with your lifters? Uh, again, it comes down. To, so if it's my, um, if it's more my sport athletes, they're definitely using that uh, at at least every lower body day, even sometimes upper body day. Uh, when it comes down to even my powerlifters, we pretty much use it. We could use it almost every day. I have uh, the regular hip belt for it. I have a front squat belt made by Spudding for it, so we can do front uh, front squats with it. Um, front squat good mornings with it. Um, and even we'll attach like upper body stuff. We've done rows on that thing with like a lat pull down bar. And mm. it's pretty fucking bananas when you load a few plates on that thing. Um, Cause you can't really cheat it. If you try to yank it, the whole belt squat jumps up with you. So, you know, <laughs> you, you can't do it. Um, so yeah, we, we'll use it for that. I actually like it a lot for shrugs too. Uh, just because loading up a barbell for shrugs, is just time consuming where if it's on my belt squat and I put a lat pull down bar on it, fast and easy it loads it up loads and i can leave them there um and i don't have to worry too much about it do you ever uh belt squat instead of barbell squats on dynamic day or for max um very rarely uh we'll do that if someone has more like an injury like if someone's knee is kind of bothering them um i'll have them do you know belted box squats and i make sure it's more like a five rep max sort of thing so, again, I can kind of uh, auto-regulate them so right. they don't push it too far. Um, and also, there's that safety concept, right? Like, you know, I'm not feeling too good. My body's kind of beat up. If I can't get up, I can put my hand on the bar. If right. I, you know, if I need to fail, it's no big deal. I'm not going to come crashing down with weights. Um, and we have used it for speed squats in the past. But, again, like a bunch of meatheads, we end up getting on that thing, and it turns into a fucking stupid competition. Like, <laughs> How many plates can you fucking load up and hit, you know, five and then – we just end up, you know, crippling ourselves more than anything else. <laughs> uh, but I, for my um, fighters, I like low risk, um, low risk movements. So for me, that's traction based. It's most likely not going to get them hurt. So 
I will have my fighters max out or do speed work more often on that than I will my power lifters. How long are max effort workouts versus speed workouts? <laughs> uh, if it's max effort squats, man, it takes fucking forever. Um, <laughs> I'm like, I don't care what Westside says and you need to get a whole group of guys done in 30 minutes. I don't understand how they would do that shit. There's four of us, and we're just and two of us, and not even all of us wrap our knees. Just two of us, and just between wrapping our knees, loading the fucking plates, and we have a mono, so you know that concept's taken out. It takes us at least an hour and a half. Um, right. That's probably because we're fat. Uh, so you know that definitely factors into it. But dynamic work, uh, we can get done pretty quickly, uh, especially like speed bench. We can get about a four guy, five guy rotation done within you know 15 or so minutes but i think that's just because the nature of the beast like you know you can recover a lot quicker from upper body volume and upper body intensity than you can lower um i've never thrown up after a set of bench presses but i've definitely thrown up after a set of speed squats right especially pauses i don't know what it is about fucking pauses they get me every time (laughs) um how much rest time do you do between max effort uh and then how much rest time between uh, speed work sets um, so for me personally, it just comes down to the training group. So we rest when the other guy's not going. <clears throat> so on max effort, uh, your rest period is when the other three guys are going, but it's not really a rest because you're not sitting down. You know, you're the mm-hmm. side spotting, loading, giving cues. Um, and same thing for dynamic effort. It's literally just when you're not going or loading or spotting, that's when you go. But what I like to tell my clients is for max effort, <clears throat> I hate giving guidelines because I feel a lot of the times it's, another stupid worry that someone has to, you know, think about and just say, go when you're ready, but don't be a fat piece of shit. And just, you know, <laughs> you know, sit there and be like, Oh, I'm going to take another 10 minutes. Uh, 10 minutes yeah. yeah. You know, if it only takes you three minutes and you feel ready to go, then fucking go for it. You know, we're not sitting here, you know, we're actually training. Uh, when it comes to speed work, I say take minimal rest as possible. So I have a rugby player and I love to beat the shit out of him. And when we're doing speed work, cause rugby so intense, it's almost like nonstop. He'll hit his three reps, and I'm like, all right, you got 10 seconds. Don't take your hands off the bar. There's no point. Um, <laughs> that's that's how a sport is. You know what I mean? It's right. very dynamic. It's very fast-paced. It's always a moving part. Uh, when you're a strength athlete, there's definitely more leeway there because, you know, again, we just get to be fat and happy. <laughs> um, your top three accessories for the squat, deadlift, and bench, like three of each. Uh, variations of it or, like, accessory movements? I would say you're the accessories to get better at that lift. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so my favorite ones for squat are going to have to be uh, wide stance, uh, sumos, box squats, um, and probably reverse hypers. Um, for bench press, definitely dumbbell work. If you're not dumbbell benching in all planes, flat, incline, decline, shoulder, you're uh, 100% fucking up. This is one of the things that we implemented about six to eight months ago. And as our mm-hmm. dumbbell bench presses, you know, rep, you know, five rep max, 10 rep max, eight rep max on flat, decline, incline, and floor all went up. Our bench presses all went up without even realizing it. We built more, you know, chest muscles. We built more uh, front uh, delt, tricep. Uh, it even gives you technique to practice um, setting up for the bench press because you should still be, you know, retracting, depressing the shoulder blades and all that bullshit. Um, and then that's for max effort. You would do max effort day doing five ten, 
five, eight, or ten, or do you mean like just in general, like as accessory work too? Like, are you doing no? We such use just the, heavy tens. Yeah, we use the dumbbells. So on max effort day, I try to make sure that even the accessory work is more heavy reps. So I don't uh. like going beneath five, but I don't really like going above fifteen either. Um, so after a max effort bench, we will follow a simple progression. We either do, you know, week one will be flat dumbbell bench after our variation. Week two will be incline dumbbell bench. Week three will be floor press. Week four uh, could be decline. Week five could be, uh, you know, shoulder pressing. But I like, that's where I kind of bring more of a block uh, periodization into my accessory work. So month one for all of those pressings will be, you know, heavy eights. Month two will be heavy fives. Month three will be heavy threes. And then we kind of rotate back. Um, and we try to focus on hitting, uh, you know, set and rep PRs on those. And that seemed to have benefited us very well. Um, so along with the dumbbell pressing uh, for our bench, I think the next thing you need to be doing is uh, bent over rowing. Uh, not only will this bring up your squat and deadlift, but it's going to, I think, massively bring up your back and keep your shoulders healthy. So we'll do the same thing that I just described with dumbbells. I'll pick either a regular bent over barbell row or an underhanded row, a snatch grip row, um, anything like that. And we'll hit them for a 12 rep max, a 10 rep max, an eight rep max, but we'll build up to it. So if we're going to do a 12 rep max, we'll do three to four sets of 12 building up to a 12 rep max. So we still get tons of volume and that heavy working. Um, okay. So after the dumbbell press and the barbell work for bench, it has to be your triceps. Um, yeah, bench is limited by your tricep. I hammer this home with my guys all the time. They probably are sick of hearing me fucking say it. But if you can't <laughs> lock out 500 pounds, uh, but your chest can bench it halfway up, doesn't matter. You know what I mean? You can, that right. means, you know, if your triceps going to lock out 450, then you only bench 450. It doesn't matter what you can get off your chest. It matters what you can lock out. Um, so I do tons of high rep banded work and then tons of low rep, um, extension work. So like, you know, the classic, like rolling dumbbell extension, a JM presses with the SSB bar tape presses, um, easy bar curl, uh, skull crushers. Um, even just like heavy board presses. So we'll, you know, put a three or a four board on and we'll hit that the heavy sets of eight supersetting it with light banded pushdowns. Um, right. And I think, you know, that combination of, of the dumbbell pressing, the rows and the triceps are really almost all a uh, bench presser needs to always get better. Cause you can always progress within those um, obviously if technique and form are sound. Um, and then for deadlifts, uh, I think it kind of carries over with squat because obviously they build off of each other. Uh, but I really prefer a lot of heavy swings here. Um, so the heaviest dump, uh, kettlebell we have is a hundred pounder. So I went to Home Depot when I made a T handle out of a black steel pipe, and we regularly load to over two hundred pounds on that, and we'll go for high rep swings. Like I think the in-house record is two hundred and six pounds for fifty-four unbroken reps. Um, wow! So that's going to be our because after it, you definitely want to throw up. But also our glutes and hips and hamstrings are on fire. And uh, since putting right. those heavy swings in, they definitely uh, have – I think it's one of the biggest things that's brought my sumo up. Um, I actually got that from Andy Bolton's book, uh, Deadlift Dynamite, who was referred to me by my coach and mentor, uh, Nash Kegley. So 
I try to take from everybody for all, for everything. You know what I mean? Like I, I follow you that way when I have someone who needs ball work done, I can look at stuff like that. You know, I follow <clears throat> Jay uh-huh. baseball. Uh, I try to follow all big name strength coaches for all areas of the field uh, for whatever kind of, you know, type of athlete I have coming in and I'll turn athletes away. Uh, right. If I feel that I'm not the coach for them, I'm going to be honest with them. You know what I mean? Yeah, I tell people and that too. People look at me like I'm crazy because, yeah, I mean, fuck, we all need the money, right? Like, I could always use extra money, and I always want to add clientele. But at the end of the day, if I'm not the right fit for you and I'm not going to get you what you want, you're just going to be a customer who's pissed, and it's going to make me look bad. Um, yeah, right. Uh, exactly. I've worked with almost every sport minus, like, I've never had a tennis player uh, or a golfer. Tennis and golf I've never had. Um, but I've worked with a lot of sports. I've worked with tactical divisions, police marine um firefighter um and then i you know my i just got, actually quit my job where i ran an anytime fitness for five years um as a personal training manager gym manager um so i've even worked with you know your regular fat loss clients <clears throat> but i've always used the conjugate principles i had them doing one rep maxes i had them doing speed work um, and then obviously working on their nutrition and different things like that. Um, well, you only told me one for the day. You told me yeah, the heavy, heavy swings. <laughs> Just fuck deadlifts. Um, but <laughs> no, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, heavy swings. And I think it kind of carries over like heavy, uh, bent over rows are going to work. And then, um, honestly, I think deficit pulls are going to be anybody can bank on those, um, as much as they suck. Because it doesn't matter if you slow off the floor, they'll increase speed. But also, if you suck at lockout, it's a longer range of motion, so it puts more time right. and attention on your lockout. And just off a deficit, you know, you can do a one-inch, two-inch, three-inch, four-inch. You can add bands with a deficit. You can add chains with a deficit. You can do a stiff-legged, banded deficit. Uh, that is probably the worst variation I can have people do where they just absolutely stiff-legged, yeah, stiff-legged deficit. deficit against the combination <laughs> resistance. They want to fucking kill me. Uh, that and an Anderson squat <laughs> against bands is like a crowd. Like they automatically aren't gonna like me for a few days. Anderson squat versus bands. It's fucking terrible, bro. But if you want to build, I've never done it with bands. <laughs> you want to build concentric strength and starting strength, like out of that hole, there's probably nothing better. Um, the only thing that sucks. What? How low are you going? Parallel? Three quarters yeah, up? Mean, I, it uh, depends. I kind of have an ego, and I don't like doing anything that's not within my sport, meaning uh, this is where a lot of people hate me. But I, I'm i not going to do one above parallel just because, well, I can't squat above parallel. But I get that even working above parallel, right. it's going to work 15 degrees below and above. But this is my stupid man ego that kicks right. in. Um, but for most people, man, I say about parallel or just above is great for, like, 99% of the population, especially, like, if you're a basketball player or a uh, – volleyball or uh, track athlete you don't necessarily need to squat that low you know what i mean There's... yeah a lot of times they get just above that's kind of like their defensive stands everything stands Absolutely. Just I mean, above. there's no real point the only reason why i have to make sure i do it is because well that's my sport i have to squat below parallel in order right. to get white lights so that's it but mm. if i'm training a basketball player uh a, you know, almost any basketball player, any position. I'm training a football player, depending on the position, uh, volleyball player, track athletes. I don't get hung up on that. Um, you know what I mean? If they're yeah. a little above parallel. They just yeah, need to squat, I, period. Uh, yeah, exactly. 
And a lot of times I won't even have them using barbells, if, especially like a very tall person. If you're six foot ten, I'm probably not going to have you straight bar squat uh, very often because there's no point. I'm probably going to have you high high box squat to with a cambered bar or a safety bar, or I'm going to have them belt squat. All right. All right. Um, how much core work do you do, and, uh, and what we do type core work? Uh, at least ninety percent of our training sessions. Um, I'm a huge fan oh, wow. of. Um, yeah, I tell my fiance all the time I do core work four times a week, and then she looks at me like, "Why the fuck don't I have a six pack?" Uh, <laughs> Diet. God, that's why. She's like, I, he's still, yeah. Yo, Wid's there. I don't think she believes. Just... Me. I don't think she believes. Me. Um, but we do a lot of standing ab work because, again, for powerlifters, we stand when we train. So I'm gonna try to train in the plane that I compete in. Um, so we do standing banded ab work. Um, but I'm also a huge fan of uh, stabilizing abs. Standing band ab work, um, front planks, side planks, uh, payoff presses. Um, even uh, I like to go on the glute ham raise and go into a sit up position, and I call it a reverse plank. I don't even know if there's a name for it. It's probably not that. Oh, those shit yeah, suck. But you now start shaking like crazy. Having band tension pulling us down, so you have to fight to stay plain. And uh, what I use, what I do with my fighters, because I can control it, is I'll actually pull them down and they have to fight against me. So if I can see that they're fatiguing out, I'll kind of let off the pressure. can't really do that. You can't control that. But I can control myself. Or if I just feel they're giving up, I'll yank them a little bit and make sure they're fucking, you know, fighting against me. Um, And we'll do that stuff for time. And we don't even really count that in towards our training session because you just have to do it. Um, You want to help you back. You do it at the end uh, of the beginning. Warm, I might warm up once in a while with a couple uh, ab reps or a couple planks, especially if my back's, you know, feeling a little iffy. I'll do, like, kind of the McGill's Big Three type thing. Um, but most of the time, it's McGill's Big Three. What's that? Uh, it's a front plank mm-hmm. uh, modified curl up and a side plank, and it's for core stiffness and stability uh, to help with back pain. Uh, Dr. McGill is the leading spine, whatever you want to call him in the world. Uh he did some great books, Back Mechanic and Gift of Injury with Brian Carroll, big big name powerlifter. Um, if, you, if you want, man, after this, I actually have yeah. an ebook. I can shoot him over to you. Um, oh, yeah. The, yeah, no, no worries. Really uh, if you ever have anybody with back pain, he's the man that they go to. Uh, Brian Carroll's story, he literally like split his sacrum in half um, to the point where the dude like wanted to kill oh. himself because he couldn't. He was in pain 24-7. And between him and McGill, they rehabbed him back. And I think since then, he's squatted in gear like 1,300 or wicked high 12. So, you know, if he can come back from that, I can come back from a pop here and there or a strain. But, yeah, so we'll, <coughs> we'll do ab work like that. And normally the, the bulk of our ab work is done after the training session's over. It's kind of like we all hang around and this guy's going to do a set of 50 banded abs and then we'll kind of just keep jumping in like that. Um or that could be part of our mini workouts. Um, do you do any like uh, leg raises or knee raises or toe touches uh, to the bar? No, because no, I'm fat. Um, but if <laughs> but, uh, a lot of my athletes, man, yeah, I actually like having my fighters do uh, toe touches. I like having them do knee raises because it makes them focus on multiple disciplines at once, um, where they actually have to, you know, I'll have right. them go into a half pull up, and then while being in a half pull-up, working their shoulder girdle and their back, they need to focus on raising their knees to their body without swinging back and forth. 
Um, so with them, I'll have them do uh, more right. knee raises. It's good to stretch your uh, front hip flexors as well in case, you know, people are complaining that that's stiff, uh, especially with a fighter who throws a lot of kicks. That can happen. Um, but, yeah, we'll do stuff like that. I try not to get overly complicated. Like if I ask my 330-pound training partner to hang from a bar and try to touch his toes to it, one, he's going to fucking kill myself. Uh, and then they laugh at me. So, but we, I try to keep all my movements simple. I don't like getting complicated. That's why I feel a lot of people get lost in the conjugate system. Is like, you know, you watch a video of a dude who just did a, uh, uh, a high box reverse band, but then there's chains on the bar, you know, squat, and they're like, how the mm-hmm. fuck can that help me get stronger? And I can understand that. But when someone sees a dude, you know, SSB squatting, maybe against just chains or just SSB squatting, and it's 500 pounds, well, that's a fucking 500 pound SSB squat. You know, that's a hard squat variation. I can get stronger from that. So it's a little bit easier for me to get buy in. Right. So people don't look at me like I have 10 heads and like I'm trying to overcomplicate a situation to seem smarter. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you do for recovery? Um, Focus on sleep, nutrition, um, and uh, recovery, those small mini workouts. Um, I have my, my son's only uh, 17 months old, um, and he just got into the stage of uh, sleeping mm. through the night for the past, I want to say, four or so months. So my recovery is <laughs> through the roof just because I can actually fucking sleep at night. Um, but then, you know, I, I try to keep things basic. Uh, the only things we can control, I can control how I sleep for the most part. I can control what I eat, and I can control um, moving. So I try to make sure every day I get some type of daily right. movement in, even when I'm not training, even if it's like walking my dog, chasing my kid around the house, uh, doing a set of kettlebell swings. And I try to eat uh, decently well, but that won't stop me from smashing a pizza at least once a week. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? But that's that's my recovery work. And then, uh, yeah, and I have, I've tried things like, you know, like the TENS units and uh, – <clears throat> and, uh, you know, icing and shit like that. Um, but I kind of find unless you have an injury, I really don't lean towards and I kind of think they're a waste of time. Um, I do like chiropractic care and I think massages can really pay off uh, when done, um, when done periodically. I also, uh, I'm an RPR certified guy. So I think when you do your RPR drills and uh, breathing correctly, that's huge for recovery. Yeah, bird. Uh, put me onto that um, while well, taking his cert, and he showed me like all this stuff for RPR. Yeah, it's fucking like, voodoo, man. It's okay, he's like, it's crazy, but he's like, yeah, it, it works. It's, I'm like, all right, it's fucking crazy. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna try it. Like, come in and you know they hamstrings, they can't get more than like three inches off the ground, and then after just teaching them how to breathe, all of a sudden you know they can be in like the fucking circus with their he- legs behind their head. Um, and with me, the biggest buy-in for that was when uh, I took it when quarantine first hit up here around uh like late march early april and i figured i had nothing else to do um and i had a lot of knee and it pain and i started doing the drills like immediately and all of a sudden it started to decrease substantially Mm -hmm. and then i would perform the drills on my fiance who was standing right there who's you know 160 pounds and i'm 240 pounds and i'm doing the drills and i can't move her you know what i mean so to me it won me over right there Um, how often do you have your lifters perform jumps and if so, uh, what type sets of reps? My power lifters, we almost we probably do about zero jumps. Um, I know West Side's one of those. They say they have their power lifters do forty jumps a week. Uh, I kind of call bullshit on that because 
Yeah, I'm calling. I would, because you see the videos when they be sailing because yeah. they're so damn big. I'm like, yeah, them motherfuckers like, barely yeah. can move to a parallel yeah. squad. How the I mean, fuck are they jumping on the goddamn box? They yeah, do a right, plyo right. swing. That's all they I do. Mean, you can find, I know I it. I think I found <laughs> videos of that one video of Brandon Lily completely eating shit, like when trying to eat <laughs> Like, I mean, and then there is one of Dave Hoffman, I think I, I forget where I've seen it, but there's one of Dave Hoff back in the day and he's hitting a pretty high box jump. Uh, I think. We'll... I know they're little guys though. Like if you, you know, you obviously right. you're a special strength certified guy. So you watch on the video, like the one dude, uh, I can't remember his name that has the Mohawk in the, He's with Laura in one oh, of the. Fuck yeah! It's like dynamic. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say his name. Work. But I know which one. That's super yeah, strong, he's but he's only like 198. Say, uh, I'm probably wrong, but I think his name was Phil Harrington, but I'm probably wrong. But I know who you're talking about. Yes, I think that that yeah, yes, no. I think that is him. Yeah, like so he was super explosive and he's small, but like the the 380 pound yeah, dude bro. ain't I mean, like, jumping on shit. Um, but when it comes <laughs> to. Uh, I figure, I think I, I was fucking around one day at the gym a couple of years back, and uh, I'm stupidly competitive, where and I have a dumb ego, where, like, someone, I forget, I think it was one of the other trainers, was like, you can't jump on a two-foot, like, a 24-inch box, and I was like, fucking box in front of me. Yeah, so I jumped on the box, and then we put it to 36 inches, and in khakis, may I add, I jumped to a 36-inch box cold, um, so I guess I still got a little bit left in me, but not a lot, uh, but my fighters... I'll have mm-hmm. them more regularly pre- uh, perform jumps. And honestly, I follow Prilipin's chart um, for even box jumps. Uh, like, I have one of my guys right now in Cali. Uh, you actually had him on the show, Brian uh, Llewellyn of uh, Blanco's Gym. Yeah, that's one of my dudes. I oh, yeah, him. yeah. Uh, and he likes to be athletic as well. Um, like, he was a football player and shit. So we're actually going to be incorporating, incorporating low-volume plyometrics where I'll probably have him do, like uh, – Fuck, I don't know. Maybe higher sets and lower reps to test his vertical ability. Um, but I'll get him to that 40-plus mm. jumps a week. Uh, but for our powerlifting, man, we really don't. Again, 330-pound powerlifter. I have two of them that train with us. They're not jumping on shit. The risk versus reward just isn't there. Because if they eat shit, they're probably going to hurt something. And for what? You know what I mean? What does yeah. that box jump really do to us? Um... What are some differences with where you training your fighters and and tactical guys versus your powerlifters? Like some of just the big yeah, major actually, differences. I, I find that they complement each other well. Um, so you know, mm-hmm. for the main point of like you know, powerlifters, what can we use more conditioning and explosiveness most of the time, and what can you know tactical right. and fighters benefit from? Well, just being stronger. You know what I mean? It's not the name of their sport. You know, speed kills, but strength punishes especially in a fight um and especially in a tactical situation where maybe if you're fighting with somebody or wrestling them down um and you're not like a you know 10th degree black belt in jujitsu normally the stronger guy is gonna win Mm -hmm. um but so my main difference is with my uh fighters combats we'll call them combats and tactical i'm going to make sure everything is fast paced i'm not gonna let them uh get lazy um, I'm going to make sure we're performing, and I hate this fucking word, functional movements. I can't stand that goddamn word, but yeah. um, it's the only one I can think of off the top of my head where I'm going to have them doing a lot more, like, war wagon walks. I'm going to have them doing a lot more plyometrics. Um, their max work will be fast. It won't take us long to get their max work done, and honestly, most of the time, it's because they're not as strong, and 
you know, I'm not going to have my fighters wrap right. up my knees. So we're, we take that variable out. So normally if we're doing right. like a lower day, my fighter can get in and out with his max work within that 20-minute mark. And then I have, you know, 40 to whatever minutes left to make sure uh, I'm going to push the intensity uh, on them. And I'm going to hit those lagging weak points, hips, glutes, uh, hamstrings. And then at the end of the day, um, just because most of them like it, we'll set up some sort of challenge. Um, where if I'm training two fighters at the same time, uh, I'll have one pulling a sled while the other one is grappling and pummeling with them and see who can get to the distance faster with the guy mm. fighting. Them. Uh, it doesn't necessarily, I mean, I guess it mm. definitely improves work capacity, but it kind of plays off their instinct, right? They're a fighter for a reason. They don't run away. They like to hit stuff. They like to get punched in the face. They're right. a weird fucking breed of people. Um, but I'll do stuff like that. And with the tactical division, I just try to do injury prevention more than anything. Uh, injury mitigation, I should say. I don't think there's ever a way to prevent. Not that I don't make sure my powerlifters are being injury mitigated, my fighters, but ta- most tactical athletes make their living off of this. Um, powerlifters aren't going to make a living off weight training. Right. Mo- but none of my fighters make a living off their fighting yet. You know what I mean? Even though I do have um, a couple professionals. Um, but so with them, I'm going to make sure that what we're doing is going to complement what they're going to see in the field, but I'm also going to make sure I'm helping them to reduce the chance of them getting hurt doing something. So there's going to be a lot of high rep tendon and ligament work. There's going to be a lot more focus on how they're moving weights. So I'll stop them at more so at a technical failure than I will like a true max. Um, just because why let them, why even let them strain a little bit more than they have to, if it's, potentially going to hurt their back or potentially going to blow up their shoulder. Um, they normally come to me because they want to be able to not get their ass kicked on the field or get out of the situation where they're going to be killed. So I need to make sure they're healthy enough to do that. Um, uh, what should people focus on for the West Side uh, Barbell Strength Certification? Because that's, that's the one that I'm like I want to say like 80% done reading everything. The only thing I got left is yeah, the big um, boy, the super so training. So what? Yeah, so what's I'll your advice for like where I've you should focus on? Training. Um, I read, I've never read, I've never read. You didn't read it? I, what the fuck? I will like skim through it. And to be honest with you, like, like if, if Louis even said it's taken mm. him four fucking times, like reading the thing front to back to understand it. Um <laughs> <laughs> that's well, game, and that was bitch. kind of my take on it. I'm like, bro, I'm pretty shit. fucking slow. Like, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not the smartest. Like, I, you know. Let yeah, me stick with the um, Louis read, honestly, written the books. <laughs> that me. Um, I didn't even have all the material. I didn't. I didn't purchase the package that gave you everything. Only because I already bought all of his DVDs, webinars, books, and I had a lot of the material he suggests to read. Um, but what helped me the most. <clears throat> was reading all of his stuff, knowing it front to back, like the strength running manual, the uh, book of methods, even though I fucking can't stand that book. That is the worst book he's ever written. Um, yeah. It's, bro, it's, that, that and it needs to be updated. Articles <laughs> smacked together. And like, they re- it repeats itself like 10 different times. Like I love <laughs> everything about West side. I love all you... that shit. But that book should be fucking burned. Um, I can't stand it, especially like if you're a newbie. Yeah. I think it confuses more people than it helps. Um, yeah, understanding like his manuals, I think right. really uh, taught me off. Listening to his 
earlier podcasts, like I want to say episode like one through probably like 20 something, those podcasts really helped me. Right, the yeah. Um, the webinars and DVDs also helped me more so the webinars because they're more updated than the DVDs. Um, and honestly, I actually went back and I printed out every article he's ever written and I binded them together. So I just kind of like, I studied those things. Um, wow. I'm not a good test taker. Um, I like, I bit, I passed this, the certification. I did the athletic personal training and the special strengths coach in the same night. It took me like six hours. Um, I did the athlete. That's the one I have the athlete personal trait, which is annoying because some of the questions, the answers, if you give yeah, the one based off the book of methods, you'll that get was it the wrong. one I got wrong. Cause they were like, they were like, what's this? Yeah. And I was like, well, that's circa. <laughs> I didn't put a fucking line between circa and max. So I got it wrong. And I'm like, you raggedy bitches. Like you couldn't uh, give me that one point. Um, but actually I took the special, special strength cert, like right after it, they give you a four hour time limit. And I used every second of that time limit. And I passed by the skin of my teeth. Um, but what I found was the hardest part of that, um, more so than anything else for me, was everything on running. Um, because I did not buy the pose method, um, like all that material, by Dr. Romanoff. Um, it, the pose method? Is, uh, that, is that one of the books that so much, you're uh, supposed I, to get? It's a book. But it's, it's the method that he talks about with sprinting and running, and it was created by Dr. Romanoff. Um, and there's, I don't want to say there's like a shit ton of questions okay. in there about it, but those are the questions where I was like, fuck me, because like, I didn't really have a response for them. And it's not all just multiple choice. There's short answer. Uh, I would say there's actually more short Good. answer than there is uh, multiple choice uh, or fill in the, and fill in the blanks. So you got to have your shit. And right. it doesn't matter if you have all the books in front of you because it's off of 30 fucking books. So like, you're not. You don't have enough time to skim through every goddamn book, yeah. highlight every section, and know where it's all going to be. You need to, you need to memorize that stuff. And their table of contents ain't good either. So yeah, if you dude. try to look like back, I had a few shit, of the main books like in front of me. Like I had, um, I did have super training in front of me, uh, but I didn't really open it. I definitely think the practice mm -hmm. and science of strength training, which is like the second most like book that you'll hear him talk about, is a much better. Um, reference, yeah. easier to read. I heard that one's the yeah, easiest I mean, out of the all like yeah, the that Russian one is, ones, I think it's put or, together well, all well. the overseas. Um, I think it's yes. Uh, Did you read Thomas Kurtz one? That one the, was good. Um, I like that, that one. Sports book, training. Uh, the fuck is his? The guy who wrote. I think it was Kurtz too. I could be wrong. Uh, it's got a boxer on the front cover, basketball player, I think. One's about uh, plyometrics mostly. That one was a really good book. Um, I have around 2,000 ebooks and about right. 100, and 100 or so like regular books. Um, I read every single day. Uh, I get up at 4.30 and I read for 4.30 or 5 and I read for at least an hour every morning. Um, and I read at night. I have stuff that I have saved on my phone in case I'm ever <clears throat> stuck somewhere and I have nothing to do. So that way I don't waste my time. I can read something. Um, but yeah, when it came to that special strength cert, man, I, know Louis stuff inside and out know the webinars inside and out and listen to the podcast i think if you do those three things anybody will pass that test gotcha <laughs> um what are your goals with yeah, online so actually, business and yeah, your apparel okay. and all that stuff and your gym thanks 
Um, so actually, yeah, oh, is that and uh, your gym? Been my main focus now is uh, I quit my my day job about a month ago, uh, where I was a regional manager mm-hmm. for two different Anytime Fitnesses um, in my area, and I was also the personal training manager. And I had some clients in there, but COVID really smacked us up here pretty hard. Um, so I really want to take my online to that, uh, you know, I guess like that next level where I have about 10 online clients that are pretty constant all the time. Um, but I'd like to have more. I probably ideally only want though around like 15, just because I want to make sure I'm giving the proper service to each one. Um, so with my online, I want to get it to around 15 and then I do nutritional coaching and behavior coaching as well on the side. I have a few of those clients already. Um, where I do like Skype meetings with them and we go over like nutritional behavioral habits and, you know, how they're going to succeed long-term, things like that. Um, and then with my apparel line, honestly, anybody who buys a fucking t-shirt still like fucking like gets me every time. Like, I'm like, damn, you actually want to wear this shit? That's cool. Uh, so like, I make, you know, I don't, I don't make like any money off that. I, I was never a money maker. That was, it was more so, um, that way when, cause I have a powerlifting team and sometimes we go to a competition and be 12 of us. I want to look like a team. Like, you know, when you're playing ball and you roll up to the, the other people's court, bro, like you want to be known that you're there. You're walking in with your, with your boys you have, and everybody's unified, right? You're a team. Right. I want people to know that we're here and we're here for each other. Um, so I really did it more or less just so we can make some badass like team t-shirts and jackets and, you know, shit like that. Um, but it's turned out that a couple people have bought things here and there. So I'm cool with that. Anybody who wants to rep the brand, I'm down. Um, but with my gym, I'm right now, I really want to get out of my backyard. Uh, one, so I don't have this ugly green carport in my driveway that has half my gym in it. And two, so my neighbors don't kill me because, you know, we're fucking blaring like, you know, 90s gangster rap or, uh, you know, heavy metal shit. And I have guys in here who are screaming and yelling and all that kind of stuff. But also so we can just have more room. I'm essentially looking to open a small private barbell club, which will, you know, be about a thousand square feet. And... I'll only allow certain people in. Uh, like, if, if you got to be about it. Like, you know what I mean? You want to have to live this. Like, uh, I'll give members a key right. where they can come train whenever they want. Um, but it's not going to be open to the public. It won't even be semi-private. It'll be for my one-on-ones and my training team, and that's it. Um, so that's really the next step to that, is I'm trying to unite the people locally I live around. All the powerlifters, all the strong men, uh, really anybody who just wants a serious place to train where you're going to walk in, there's a culture and atmosphere to surround that. Where, like, you know, we'll know your name. We're not here to chit-chat. We'll be, everybody's going to be cool with each other, but we're going to make sure you're in here getting better and we're getting better. Um, that's pretty much where I'm looking to go with all this. Uh, I like to do most of my revenue online and then, you know, around 30-ish percent in person. Um, well, that's all I got Hi, for man. you, man. So just yeah, tell everybody where they can uh, find you. Find me at Bristol County Instagram Barbell Club on Instagram, or if you uh, want to see my personal page, it's Chad underscore Faria, <clears throat> uh, F-A-R-I-A, um, and that's pretty much where anybody can find me doing whatever the fuck I'm up to at the time. <laughs> no, I appreciate you having me. Well, man, uh, I you appreciate you for coming on. Questions or if you need any books, just hit me up. <laughs> Oh shoot! Yeah, you can uh, send you can send the one that you were talking just, about earlier. Message me, my DMs are always open. <laughs> Take it easy. Well, that's all she wrote for this one. I hope y'all enjoyed. 
As always, you can find me on Instagram. The name is Khalil Sherrod, K-A-L-I-L underscore S-H-E-R-R-O-D. If you like this episode and the podcast itself, make sure to thumb it up, review it, subscribe, add it to your favorites. Uh, make sure so you can get those notifications when there's a new episode. Um, share it to your friends. And uh, if you are a coach or know a coach that would uh, like to be on the podcast, just shoot over to my DMs. If you ever have any questions, shoot over to my DMs and uh, you know, tune in. Uh, to hear when that next person is going to be on. All right. And remember, stay clean. Peace.